0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios.
1: You eat a chicken sandwich?
0: This is the Press Box. The best is their chicken minis, which are these little small rolls that they have butter all over them and like a chicken nugget inside of it, and they're delicious.
1: I gotta get out more, man. I have a slice of wheat toast. With Grainy and Bischoff. I gotta get out more. On ESPN Las Vegas. Those three TVs—is it three TVs or four TVs? Three TVs. Those three TVs must have been on fire this weekend. Came in handy this weekend. My goodness, Great the amount weekend. of stuff you were probably watching in that weird office <laughs> with that weird Barco <laughs> lounger can't even imagine.
0: Three TVs is a must now. <laughs> we have four, but they're in different rooms. Yeah, it's a—that's like a
1: terrible decision. It's a well.
0: Just it's bad logistics. normal family decision. No, nope, it's bad. Log- See, first off, first mistake, kid, kids. Second mistake is you put the TVs in different rooms. Obviously, you can't be in all the rooms at the same time. Nor so would I want all, to be. Put all the TVs in the same room. Yeah, great, that great wouldn't decision. work out with a great family decision.
1: dynamic. That would not work out with a family dynamic. Undoubtedly, one Believe of the best me. decisions I've ever no. made.
0: Well, for you. Yes. For the lifestyle you live. Incredible. Yeah, I've had people... Have been like, do you really need that for more than like March Madness? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to use this like every week of my life. It's great.
1: Have you figured out the remotes?
0: Yeah, I, I have to use four, but yes.
1: You have to use four remotes for three televisions. Yes. Are they ever, is it ever on Netflix?
0: Why would I do that?
1: Because you maybe want to save some time. And if I was gonna watch watch sports show
0: is on Netflix. Yeah. If I was gonna watch Netflix, I'd go downstairs and watch it on a regular TV with my girlfriend. Man, we watch we watch occasionally shows together, but occasionally. Yeah, not right now. He, I mean, he has soccer on his laptop while the show is going on. I (laughs) told my girlfriend that the Astros have a day off today, and she was like, "Oh, we can watch a show," and I was like, "Well." The NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are still on, so let's slow down there.
1: Lot to unpack, Jared. The first bite. Today's first bite is brought to you by Space Available to Rent. Is Mark Davis going to be in trouble?
0: A lot to unpack. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a what a Friday afternoon. That was so crazy. The Raiders at, well, it was like 10 o'clock. It was basically right when yeah, we got right off the air sure. on Friday. The Raiders announced that Dan Ventrell, their president, was no longer a part of the organization. Uh, no update, no comment, nothing else came from that. Just, hey, Dan Ventrell, no longer the president of the Raiders. Uh, if you've kept up with the Raiders presidential situation, which, eh, fair if you don't, it's the president. They just lost a president a year ago. Mark Bedain was the president. He resigned. And if you remember, we never really got details out of that. The only thing we got was a couple of reports about some financial issues and then Mark Davis coming out saying, oh, we paid too much in taxes. So, and that's it. That's all we've gotten is Mark Davis claiming that they paid too much in taxes. Roughly a year later, the guy who replaced Mark Bedain also gone few hours later on friday we get a tweet from mick Aker's with a statement from dan ventrell i'll read his statement today mark davis terminated my employment as president of the las vegas raiders i have committed almost 18 years of my life to the success of the raiders as general counsel and president i take that responsibility very seriously which is why multiple written complaints from employees that Mark created a hostile work environment and engaged in other potential misconduct caused me grave concern. When Mark was confronted about these issues, he was dismissive and did not demonstrate the warranted level of concern. Given this, I informed the NFL of these issues and of Mark's unacceptable response. Soon thereafter, I was fired in retaliation for raising these concerns. I firmly stand by my decision to elevate these issues to protect the organization and its female employees. I remain committed to doing everything in my power to support the Raiders and the Las Vegas community. I now call home. I have retained counsel and will have no further comment at this time.
1: Okay, so again, a lot to unpack here. The very first thing I want to ask you do we believe Dan Ventrell?
0: I have a hard time understanding why Dan Ventrell would lie in that statement. I have a hard time understanding why he would come out and lie about that. When he says there are written complaints, that means there is some physical proof, written or e- written could mean emails. Twenty twenty two, but there is some physical proof that people have complained to Dan Ventrell about Mark Davis. Whether or not those complaints are valid, that's a different question. But I I cannot figure out why Dan Ventrell would come out and give as many specifics as he did, because a lot of these would seemingly be very easy to disprove and say, no, there's no written complaints about Mark Davis's behavior. So this is all obviously a lie. This seems like enough details that there has to be, there's some validation. There's some truth behind what Dan Ventrell said. The league said that it received the
1: complaints and that it's going to look into it and investigate it. Um, As you would have thought, we contacted a lot of people over there, and the stories that you get back are all different. Um, and that doesn't mean this isn't true. It doesn't right. mean this is true. We had people telling us that there was a celebration because he was gone. <laughs> we had tell we had people saying, "I've never heard of this. He better be right on this." You know, if you come out and say this, you he, better be. You yes. better be right. Yes. You better be right. You better have these documents if this happened. Uh, you make a good point. If 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 he did, if this doesn't exist. You know, and you come out and say this, and it might already be a fact, his career is over in terms of in that league. What? His career might be over in what? terms of that league anyway. So if you come out and say this, you better have that documentation. And maybe he does. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a pretty strong statement to think there's nothing there at all. Unless he just is completely
0: lying about everything. And I that would be right bizarre. Right. Which I again, I cannot imagine he just Made all of this up, especially
1: the written statements part. Right. Because when you say these things, the first thing people want to say is, "Where's the evidence?" Right? Where, where, where's it? You're saying that these happened. You're saying female employees obviously had an issue. Is it just your word against Mark Davis's? If that's the case, this isn't going anywhere. So you have evidence. He in this statement specifies that he has yes. what he would consider evidence to
0: the to this fact. And the other part of it that that jumps out is he specifically used the word retaliation. He is specifically saying that Mark Davis fired him because he brought these situations, A, to Mark Davis and then to the NFL. And he's saying, I got fired because I brought up these issues. That is also a very big deal because if you're Mark Davis, you can't, like, if you're a business owner, you can't fire people who call out, like, you know, essentially it's a whistleblower, right? right? You can't fire people that call out, "Hey, we've got complaints about you doing blank." You can't just then fire the person who brings it up. That's so. There's a, there's multiple things in here that I either either Dan Ventrell is just one of the biggest liars in the world and has no shame and has no worry about being found out about being a liar, or there's some legitimacy to what he's saying, and I have to believe there's some legitimacy because again. This is similar to the Mark Bidane situation. This is a guy who's been with the Raiders for a long time. Like Mark Bidane was there for multiple decades and then all of a sudden just gone. Dan Ventrell, 18 years. He's been with the Raiders and just gone. So there's got to be some truth behind it. Now, there's two different things here. There can be truth to... The written complaints. There can be truth to people in the Raiders organization thinking they were mistreated by Mark Davis or he created a hostile work environment. There can be written complaints about that, and none of that be true. Exactly. Right? Like people yeah. could have complained and it could have been sure. nothing, and Dan Ventrell brought it to Mark Davis and right. said, Hey, here's what we've got. And Mark Davis shunned it away. And then he said, Well, these are pretty serious. And but maybe none of them were true. But I have to imagine. He actually has or had maybe he doesn't have them anymore because he got fired, but he actually has there's some written complaint about Mark Davis from people within the Raiders organization. Yeah.
1: And that's and you bring up the part we don't know if it's true or not. Because I just again I'll go back to my original point. I don't there's all kinds of opinions out there about Dan Vitrell. I've heard from several people about him that the formerly worked there and that now worked there as well. And I don't know which side is true. I'm not gonna sit there and say this side's true, this side's not. But when you go out and you go on the record with a statement saying you have written complaints, you better have written complaints. That's all I'll say. You better have these.
0: Do we actually find out anything from this?
1: Well, I mean, if the league's investigating it, I would think that the league would eventually have some kind of say in what, what they what they found, right? I mean, well, are they going to come out and say they did, we found nothing? They
0: did their independent investigation of Dan Snyder and Washington, and then they were like, well... We didn't have a written report done by our investigator. She just gave us an oral report to have to trust us on what she said. Mm-hmm. So an NFL investigation, I don't think we actually find anything out. I, I, I think it'll, well, and it'll here's, be.
1: Here's the problem with it in our world, especially specifically my world, and my other job. A lot of this is said the t- the difficult part, especially people who still have jobs, there, are people coming out and talking on the record. It's almost sometimes impossible. Um, so it's very difficult in the reporting stage of these things when you don't have people willing to right. either go on the record and actually, you know, like today, female employees coming forward and saying, hey, this happened to me. I wrote the report, you know, I, or I give him written, written statements. That's really difficult to have. So you're right. We might not find out the entire story unless there's people willing to back up Dan Ventrell's uh, uh, statement here. With you know, with quotes or with with you know coming out, and and maybe there will be. Maybe maybe I'm not I'm not. I don't want to put you know in people's hands that they don't do that. I'm just saying in these type of situations, that's the toughest thing to get.
0: Yeah, and I do wonder how much Dan Ventrell would push back publicly. I'm surprised we've gotten what we've gotten already out of Dan Ventrell. Right? Like normally. Oh
1: no! Yeah, normally there's. I Nothing. mean you might retain counsel but normally there's not a tweet right normally
0: uh, or a, a statement you know two hours later right like I would have been probably would have more expected if Dan Vintrell said anything would have been like I was fired today I don't agree with the decision I've, I've retained counsel right and right. that would have right. been it but he actually gave some specifics as to at least his side of the story why he was fired and that's more than we've gotten and I do wonder if we get into this process and if he thinks whatever the nfl is trying to keep it hidden how much more he will say because
1: or how much more he'll bring forward
0: right because that statement definitely jumped out as somebody that was very angry as to why they got fired Mm -hmm. and if what he said is true he has every right to be angry if he's worked for this organization for almost two decades and then he comes to mark davis and says listen we've got some complaints about the way you're behaving and mark davis Shoot him off and then ended up firing him for bringing those complaints up. He should absolutely be angry about this. But again, how valid are those complaints? I don't know. I don't know either. I I, I mean, I, and I don't know that we find out. I think that's sort of the, what we're, I think that's going to be the problem here is we're going to get three or four months down the line and we're going to be like, what happened to that? Right. And, We're not really going to know anything. It's like, oh, there's an NFL investigation. They uh, haven't found anything that they're going to say publicly. I, I don't know what ultimately happens because even if the NFL investigates this, they've put privately fined Mark Davis. I mean, what happened? I mean, the I NFL is not going to take his team away. No, no. I guess there could be something terrible in these complaints that if they find it true, I guess they could take it away. But like Dan Snyder's still in the league, so. <laughs> they're not going to take his team away. No. So we might not even find I out if there's a punishment. Him, like you yeah. said. And it might be private. It might just be yeah. they, they do it and they try to move on with it and never talk of it again. So we yeah.
1: might find out. I mean, if he's retained counsel, like you said, how far is he willing to go?
0: Right. It, it comes down to Dan Fitzgerald. It's similar, again, to tie it to the Mark Bedain resignation. Mark Bedain hasn't said anything. Okay. And I think Vic Tafer tweeted there might be a non-disclosure agreement Mark Badane signed. So that would be why, but like Mark Bidane hasn't said anything. And I doubt we hear anything from anybody for a while on the Mark Bidane right. resignation, other than Mark Davis saying, Oh, we paid too much in taxes. Uh, this situation might be different because Dan Ventrell definitely seems, uh, it's a, it seems more angry than Mark Bidane ever did, at least publicly about no longer. I being think the Mark was, I members. think
1: Mark was angry. I don't think there's any questions about that. And I know, I think he was angry that that happened. Um, lot to that as well, but uh, look when it comes back to Ventrell, do you have the proof? And if you have the proof, how much will we see of it? Right. What's your proof? Right. Because that's the, that's the only thing I want to know with the statement. Do you have those written statements? Yeah. And I don't know if we'll ever see those written statements.
0: Probably not. I would assume. I would assume we don't ever see them. But who knows? Maybe Dan Ventrell sent them all to his private email, and he has them, and is ready to turn them over when he thinks right. the moment is right. I don't know what we'll see. Coming up next, today's all about owners. Bill Foley is going to be more active with the Golden Knights. The Blues have scored! Live from the
2: Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Grainy and Bischoff.
0: As a Cowboys fan, when you hear an owner of a sports team say they're going to be more active... What?
1: <laughs> the... Sh- there's no one more active than my owner, so I mean, I guess he can. I guess Bill Foley is going to take a shot at it, but good luck to you being more active than that guy. I so, mean, he's going to find out he's got a kid somewhere that, uh, yeah,
0: or he's going to get in a car accident in a place you don't want to be found. Some quotes from Bill Foley to the review journal. I'd say we're going to be a team now that we're ready. Aim fire, not ready. Fire aim. We're going to be careful. That's a big priority for me, and I'm going to be involved in it. I've got a few specific ideas of things that I believe need to be accomplished. If I'm being very transparent, I'm going to be active. Also said, just having some things like the Zadanov trade that weren't quite right this year. I'm going to try and fix that. I'm going to try and do better next year. We need to make a few adjustments. There's not going to be the crazy kind of stuff you've seen in the past. So does that mean he thinks
1: going after all these stars and letting, you know, quote-unquote misfits away that were good locker room guys, is that what he means? That they did these
0: things too fast without thinking? Yeah, I mean, the, the when he says we're going to be ready, aim, fire, and not ready, fire, aim. That they overreact. not I, overreacts a bad word. But that they that went they, too fast. They pulled the trigger yeah. before they aimed taking it. enough time. <laughs> yeah, before they aimed. Um it's interesting because I feel like we have largely credited the whole go after the shiny new toy as being a Bill Foley problem, right? Am I uh, wrong in that? But, well, that it's been Foley, it's been that's Foley wanted, who's okayed it and, and, right. and supported it. And he's now saying, well, maybe we don't need to go after the shiny new toy every single offseason or trade deadline or whatever it is. Here's my first question. How active was Foley before?
1: I don't think he was very active. I think I've said it in the past. I think you've said in the past. I think he has trusted George McPhee from the, from the moment he hired George McPhee. And while I'm sure they had to run, hey, we're going to trade for Jack Eichel pass, him, I mean, he's the one who signs the checks and all that. Um, I think he trusted McPhee, and McPhee, you know, led the charge in terms of major decisions. And Foley probably more often than not, because of his impeccable trust in McPhee, agreed with it. Did
0: he say no to anything? Like, how many times did I mean, did McPhee or McCrimmon say, hey, we want to do this, and Foley said, I don't want to do that?
1: I like, don't think very much. Okay. So do you?
0: I I don't think he did very much I at all. I guess not. I don't know, but I would guess not at this point. Here's the other part that I found interesting. When he says some things like the Dodonov trade that weren't quite right, I'm going to try and fix that. What the hell would Bill Foley have done to fix the Evgeny Dodonov no-trade situation? Would I'm he convinced was, he would didn't he have even know the no trade list. I'm, like,
1: I'm convinced he wouldn't even know the no trade right.
0: list. He would have no idea. No. he would have been like, oh, he doesn't have one or, oh, we're not on it. Like, or, oh, what's that? Right. What's, what's he going to be like? Wait a minute, guys. I need to call around the league and find out right. if he has a no trade list right. that we need. Like not, he no would, chance. No matter how active he was, he would not have been able to stop that or no. solve that or prevent that from happening. I think he's just embarrassed way. that it happened. Right. So I, there's some things where it's like, all right, regardless of how active Bill Foley is, he's not going to prevent the Evgeny no. Dodonov situation from having happened there. But him being active, do you view that as being a good thing? Like, do you think Bill Foley, active Bill Foley, makes things better or worse?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I know Bill to a certain point. Um, you know, I know his... Like, I, I, I actually laughed at Ready, Aim, Fire. He go, always goes back to the Army <laughs> situation every 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 example he gives. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. I, I know him, but I don't know him well enough to where how much he's learned in the last five years about the business of hockey and how things work. He's a very bright guy, obviously. He's a very successful guy, obviously. Um, so I can't say it's better or worse. I mean, do you want me to... Take a side, I'm going to say worse.
0: I think it's I think it's going to make it 100% worse. I,
1: I think worse because I just think that no matter what he's learned, um, McPhee is going to know a million times more right. than he, he does. And I think Bill now feels, because of what happened this year, he needs some input, and that could be
0: really dangerous. Right. I, I think it's going to make it worse. I don't believe that Bill Foley can walk in here and make things better. Bill Foley can make things that, with better. The, how he's trying to right. say, he's going to. Bill Foley might be able to make things better if he says no more often to McPhee and McCrimmon. But being actively involved in whatever the hell he means—roster building or something like that—I do not believe he can make it better I because either. George McPhee has never won a Stanley Cup. But George McPhee has proven he can build good rosters. He can build good hockey teams. I don't believe Bill Foley's going to improve on that. I don't believe I don't Bill either. Foley's going to walk in this offseason and he's going to he's going to be the one that has the answers on who the right players are to move to so that move they can get into under the salary so cap. Get into the cap right? I don't believe that's that's going to be. I, I think that's going to be McPhee and whoever their capologist guy is right. like that guy's got a lot of work to do. He's had a lot of work to do for like four straight years. But I think I do not believe Bill Foley can walk in here and make it better. Here's what I think Bill Foley. If you truly wanted to be more active and make it better, if he's so disappointed Why didn't he fire the front office? Like, that's the part I don't get. If he's like, hey, we've got problems, I need to be more involved so that things uh, are more smooth and we're ready, aim, fire instead of ready, fire, aim. Why didn't he fire the people? Well, and that goes back to,
1: yeah, and that goes back to his quotes about when he kept Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly and I can have honest discussions. We can talk, okay, if that's all true and we know his feelings about McPhee, then. What are you going to do to become more active? You're saying that you trust these guys impeccably by, one, keeping McCrimmon, and, two, I mean, we know the trustee has McPhee. Yeah. So when he steps in, suddenly start overruling them because you feel as the owner you should? Like, that's not good business. And one thing this guy is excellent at is business.
0: Yeah. Like, the only, and I doubt we even see any of this, but the only way that I could see, like, looking back that Foley could have made things better by being more active would simply have been saying no to some things. Like right. if they had walked right. in and said, Hey, we want to uh, trade for Robin Leonard. If he had said, well, well, no, let's just trust Mark Andre Fleury," Maybe that would have made it better. If he, if he had said, Hey, uh, we're trading for Jack Eichel and we're going to have to get rid of some guys. And we're going to be playing with long-term IR all season. He could have been like, well, no, let's let's just keep Alex tuck around for right. a while. Like if I think that's the way that he helps is by just saying no more not actually being more active and being like hey um we should make this trade guys right. hey we should call up this guy from the hl i just i don't see how bill no, foley i agree would i think it's approach.
1: worse if he tries to do that kind right. of stuff
0: so i'm fascinated to see what more active means but i hope it means we get bill foley press conferences because he is the best member of that organization when he actually talks to the media. Well, he's definitely best of those three. Well, yeah. I'm I mean, now not, you're, not, you're not going for the uh, – you're not <laughs> shooting very high there. Coming up next, Ken Bulky from SendBen.Vegas joins the show if he's awake. We are sitting in the press box with
2: Rainey and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
0: Joining us now from Sinbin.Vegas is Ken Bulky. All right, Ken, when you hear Bill Foley say he's going to be more active, what do you think that means exactly?
2: That is a great question. I would imagine that he will probably just deny more things that come up. He, He has had some issues with certain things that have come up, namely flurry, uh, he claimed that he didn't like the Dodonoff trade. I think he's just going to step in and say, "Nope, we're not doing that. Do something else."
1: <laughs> do you? I, I, I love to talk about Dodonoff with him. Do you really believe that he had any idea about no trade clauses or what? What? How would he have not liked Dodonoff? That he just didn't like it off the top of what they were doing, or do you think he actually was uh, intimately involved with what that meant?
2: No, I think he didn't like the fact that they were giving away a player that has some impact on the ice and then taking back another player that has no impact on the ice for half the cost and actually paying to do it. I think he just looked at that as like a ridiculous trade to create a little bit of cap space, which it was. And he would have been right about, but had they needed that cap space, it would have been something they had to do. And he just said, no, we're not doing that. Find a different way. And well, there probably wasn't a different way. So I don't know that how great it's going to be having that be the case.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it it almost sounds like it might make McPhee and McCrimmon's job harder this offseason since they already are in a spot where they have to get under the salary cap and they'll probably be trading away players for practically nothing again.
2: Yeah, that would be exactly how I would see it going is it's like they come in and want to say, you know, our issue was injuries. We had you know all these guys out, and now we need to get under the cap. And here's why we rebuilt the team. And Foley's going to sit there and say, "Well, do it a different way." And it's like, "Well, what's the different way?" You're you're smarter than me.
1: Is his trust in McPhee uh, as as impeccable as it's always been?
2: I mean, they're keeping their job, so I would have to imagine he, there was no mention of McPhee in the, in that article by Dave Shane, you know, talking about the changes that he wants to make. So I would imagine that, yeah, it probably is. There was no hint of changes to McFee or McCrimmon, so I would I would imagine yes.
0: So we're part of the reason the Golden Knights are, I guess, in the problem that they're in with the salary cap situation is that they have constantly gone after. The big name, whether it's, you know, Mark Stone, Petrangelo, Pacioretti, Leonard, Eichel, should we be crediting those types of moves where they go after the big name regardless of their salary cap situation? Should we be crediting those to those were brought to Bill Foley and Foley approved them or Foley wanted those types of moves and the front office found a way to make it happen?
2: I don't know that we have enough information to make that you know, judgment at this point, I will say that every time they went about making one of those moves, Kelly McCrimmon or George McSee stepped up and says, players like this do not become available. They use that term three or four (laughs) different times, which has always confused me. And I'll never understand how they can say that time and time again, but they constantly have made the argument, these are players that you can't get, and we have the ability to get them, so we want to get them. And, they, and also, Kelly McCrimmon has specifically said, you need a star center, you need a star winger, you need a star defenseman, and you need a star goalie. We've gone out and gotten all of them, and we didn't have any of those coming through the expansion draft. So I've started to lean more towards this has been a plan of McCrimmon and McPhee, more so than Foley, and then Foley sitting there saying, oh, you're getting me a more marketable player? Yeah, okay, I'm good with that.
1: Are you surprised, uh, given the meeting was ne- last week, supposedly, no no news has come out on Pete DeBoer, and what side do you land on that?
2: Uh, I am not surprised that they're taking their time on that. I think that there's really no rush until someone better becomes available, and there should have been a ding on everyone's phone this morning that someone better just became available. So it wouldn't shock me if it happens in the next couple of days here, because uh, there was really no reason to do it until you had a good idea of who the replacement was going to be. And every team that gets eliminated from the playoffs is potentially another replacement, or as I just mentioned, Barry Trotz just got fired. So I think there is an option there.
0: So give me a percentage right now at 738 on Monday morning that Barry Trotz coaches the Golden Knights first game next season. 25 higher than I would have thought at the moment. Okay. Barry Trotz got fired by the Islanders this morning for anybody that was unaware. And he too had
1: one year left on his contract.
0: Ah, one year left. That's a, it's a bad time to be a cocky coach, isn't it? Especially with one year left on your contract, Have more than one year left on it. So is it, is it, I mean, is it that simple of a case that they're just wait, they were just waiting to see it. Not, not so much, Anything DeBoer could do or say to save his job, it was just more or less is somebody better going to be available and maybe they fired DeBoer because of that?
2: Well, I think they knew what the issues with DeBoer were going to be, and I would imagine that meeting was probably give us some solutions. And when have we heard a solution from Pete? I mean, he's 14 years into his career. I I can't imagine there's going to be a lot more solutions of how they want to play offense or how they want to defend or what went wrong. And if you're going to go up there as a as a front office and say that the only reason we didn't do any of this was because of injuries, what solutions does he even have to offer? They just may need need to be looking for a fall guy. And and I think I skipped uh, half of Ed's question there a second ago. I'm I'm on the fence of whether or not it's Pete's fault. I do think they have to have some sort of change. And if you're announcing that you're not going to get rid of McCrimmon, you're not going to get rid of McPhee. I do think it's best for the organization to do something of, of somewhat of significance to find a way back to where you need to go. Otherwise, this idea of changing the culture and changing the identity isn't going to happen if you roll back out the same group of people in, in, in charge. So I guess I, I lean more on they do need to fire Pete, even though I don't think he's probably the right guy to fire, but I do think they have to do something.
1: Would it could it be enough to get rid of his staff and keep him?
2: Um, half of his staff was there before the Golden Knights, which was Ryan Craig and Ryan McGill. And then Steve Spott came in with him. Usually those guys will go with the coach, so I would be surprised if if Spot goes with, with DeBoer or without DeBoer or whatever, like they're tied together, so it would be surprising if they go separately. I could see them making the other move, but I don't think that's going to have a huge impact. In the end, it's the head coach's decision, the head coach's system, and the assistants are there to help run it and put it in place. I don't think that would have much of an impact.
0: All right, looking ahead, obviously they're going to have to make some sort of move in the offseason, and it might mean a significant player is gone, but with that in mind, do you believe this is a True Stanley Cup contender next season on paper, if they're you know close to healthy and not losing 500 fake man games.
2: Who's the coach?
0: Pete DeBoer's the coach. Then no, Barry. Trotz and the the, is the, re- coach.
2: the, the <laughs> reason I say that is because they're going to have the same issues that they've had in the past. They're also going to be a year older. They're also this belief that, like, oh, we'll have better health next year. Yeah, probably you will have better health, but you're not going to have perfect health. And there are going to be issues because this team is not young. And they have some guys who are out every single year. So they'll have the same offensive droughts. They'll have the same issue in front of the goal. I don't think that they, they're they going to play to the style of their goalie anymore. And, yeah, no, I, I don't think that this team can win with, with Pete DeBoer as the head coach and the general manager in front office in place as is.
1: Okay. Give us a reason why Barry Trotz would be better. What about what about he, Barry Trotz? Not just if you think he's a better coach, but what about him?
2: Uh, I think that one of his biggest tenets is he likes quality over quantity in the offensive zone, which is somewhat backwards of what we've seen. And it's also backwards of, of Gallant as well where he will want seam passes. He will want activated defensemen. He will want opportunities that create chances that goalies don't stop, that there is no such thing as a hot goalie because we're tapping pucks into empty nets as opposed to trying to shoot it through the logo on their chest. And then the second thing is his number one most important thing he does is he does not allow high danger chances, and the Golden Knights could not Stay away from high danger chances in their own end last year. I think that would make them a significantly better defensive team. It's, it's a different system than DeBoer, but it's kind of the same principles. I think that a different voice could potentially bring them back to doing it. We've seen it in the league many times before that a different head coach can come in and turn the tables a little bit. I think the offensive system, oddly enough, is going to be more important than the defensive system. I think they'll just get that bump because he is a legendary head coach.
0: Robin Leonard on this team when next season starts
2: is Pete DeBoer. <laughs> yes. He's a, he's back. Then probably not. I would be surprised if those two can coexist moving forward. I mean, we've seen it once where they, they they've had the goalie drama and then they both come back and one guy wins the Vezina. And then even that he had to go afterwards. Uh, I, I just, it got real rocky down the stretch there and there were some comments that were very odd about battling through and it just seemed like those two were not on the same page down the stretch. so and and honestly, like, would it be the end of the world for the Golden Knights if they if they ended up moving on from Robin Leonard after the season that he had? I, I don't think so. so I, I think they'd be okay there. got to find somebody to take him though.
0: Well, is Mikel Hecker Ryan available for trade again? <laughs>
2: Probably. Well, no. Well, I don't know. It's tough because we'd have to trade with whatever Finnish team he's on. Yeah,
0: that's okay. All right. How about that John Moore guy again? He can stay Johnny in Boston Moore yeah, for the Johnny whole year. Moore. Now,
2: he is available. He's definitely available. <laughs> if they want him again, they can have him in a heartbeat. Well, he is Ken Volkey.
0: It's Vegas. Ken, we appreciate Thanks,
2: it. Thanks, Ken. See ya. <laughs>
1: Uh, remember Johnny Moore?
0: <laughs> they trade for that oh, guy. Yeah. And McCrimmon has to say again in the press conference, he's going to stay in Boston yeah. and just now that shoot check. fire aim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because are the Suns in trouble?
2: We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. No Chris
0: Paul game two took over the fourth quarter at 28 points in total in game 2. We came on here and it was like, man, when Chris Paul takes over <laughs> a game, it's a lot of fun over. to watch. Since then he's been god awful. <laughs> he's got 17 points total in the last 2 games. Yesterday, 5 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 6 fouls. More fouls than points scored. First
1: time ever in his playoff career.
0: Fouled out with 9 minutes left. Didn't even like come close to getting to the end of the game. Fouled out with 9 minutes left. And all of a sudden, the Phoenix Suns, who were up 2-0 on Dallas after the first two games, are now tied 2-2. How much trouble do you think they're in? They're in a lot of trouble if Dallas keeps
1: shooting 43s a game (laughs) and making 38 of them. If that keeps happening, the Suns are in a lot of trouble. That's my hot take for the morning. If Dallas keeps shooting 20 of 44 from three-point line, then uh, the Phoenix Suns are in trouble. I just don't think that's happening.
0: I don't either. Uh, I'd be surprised if that happens. But I do think here, here's the part with Chris Paul that I find kind of fascinating. The Dallas Mavericks aren't like a great defensive team. We're, we're not talking about a really good defensive team. And Chris Paul has now had back-to-back games where he hasn't done anything, right? Where we're kind of talking about, okay, Chris Paul kind of sucked in that game. Is that more Chris Paul? That's kind of my fear because right. even like if you, if you're trying to project ahead, you know, Golden State and Memphis, neither one of those two teams are great defensively, but they're better than Dallas. And if Chris Paul struggles to be consistent over an entire seven-game series against Dallas, what, what's going to happen next round? And probably what would be highlighted the most is if they're in the finals and they're playing Boston or Milwaukee, Right. Really, <laughs> really good. is Chris teams. Paul going to have six games like that? So it's, it's fascinating to see Chris Paul have this much variance in his performances. Like that's the part that I think is interesting is that normally we see the star players on teams they'll have a bad game but it's not that bad. It's not fouling no, out with 5 with points. With 5 points. And what did he he right. took four shots I believe right. two of four from the floor. Normally there's not that much variance in the star player and I I feel like that is a lot of just Chris Paul and even if they get through Dallas that we might see that again and okay you just based on the three point shooting you think phoenix still ends up winning the series i still series? think they're winning the series i, think I don't right. think they're in trouble i think you're right i think well that's,
1: they might be in trouble well, i just think it's 2-2 right. but i still think they win the series right cuz I, I don't know if they lose at home
0: I, I don't believe dallas shoots that well right maybe in another game in this series even if it goes 7 three more games do so they shoot 20 of 44 from three again probably not uh, but I I do think there's a legitimate chance here that they're in trouble because the, the other interesting part about yesterday, Devin Booker was great. Yeah. Devin Booker was phenomenal, and it didn't it really didn't matter. mean much at all. Now, again, Dallas shoots 15 of 44 on threes instead of 20 of 44. Then we're having a different conversation today, but Devin Booker being awesome didn't matter because Dallas hit a bunch of threes, and Chris Paul was basically useless in that game. So... I, 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 this is the one I'm having a hard time figuring out what actually happens. I still think it's Phoenix, but I, for whatever reason, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me off the court here. Have you seen enough of this Chris Paul's wife and mother incident to have any sort of opinion or have any idea of what happened No, I don't. And was this kid like 13? Right. How old was this kid? So for those of you that are unaware, there's a video out there of a kid and I guess the kid's mother getting ejected from a game that were sitting behind the Phoenix Suns bench during game four. The family of Chris Paul. And in this video, you see Chris Paul yelling at the kid as he's being ejected you don't see anything on video as to why they were ejected you don't see him pushing anybody right but the accusations afterwards are that there were hands placed on Chris Paul's wife and Chris Paul's mother and the way Chris Paul responded during a timeout yelling at this kid would imply he at least thought that happened there's no video of this the Mavericks came out and said we don't basically said we don't tolerate that type of behavior. But again, I don't even know if the Mavericks have like confirmed it happened or anything. They just said, we don't condone it. I, I don't know what to do with it. Cause like you said, is there really like a, a 15 year old kid pushing Chris Paul's mother and wife right behind the son's bench? I, I guess it's possible. It just seems like a very, very strange situation.
1: I'm looking at the kid being taken out. Now that kid's like 14 or 15 years old. Right. I, I, and like you said, we won't know anything because the only videos of him being taken out with his mom. I, I this kid went up and pushed people, and I don't know. He he. There's no chance he would have known who they were. I don't think he's he literally looks like he's 14 or 15 yeah. years old. This kid.
0: Yeah, I. I'm Maybe not gonna say he, he did. didn't I, do it,
1: but. Maybe he did. I'd like to see video of that and not him just
0: being taken out of the arena. Right. Like, listen, people are dumb. People are idiots. But I'm kind of with you that I, like, a 14- or 15-year-old kid was just, like, defarming Chris Paul's Wife and and, and mother? Again, maybe, but it's just, it seems like a very weird scenario. I mean, Chris Paul afterwards, or, uh, excuse me, Dave McMiniman tweeted afterwards that he had a source that said that Chris Paul's family felt very unsafe and I don't know what happened there, but they ejected a 15-year-old kid for something that made Chris Paul's family feel unsafe. So, very weird situation in doubt.